I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. He's talking about your genitals. It is Thursday, which means it's time for the Front 3 Q&A podcast with me, Adam Bolt, with the one and only Nico Morales. Me first today on the intro as well. Second is Lawrence McKenna. Me second today. And last but not least is David O'Brien, Statman Dave himself. Keeping the best till last, I do see Adam. You could say that. How was your uh, your move to Manchester, Dave? You're officially up north now. I hate moving. It's just, it's it's absolutely toilet. It's probably one of the worst things you can do as a human being, honestly. That it, it went that well, definitely wow. not. <laughs> yeah, the boxes give you real, you know, stress, don't they? Because you want them in a, you want the player, you want your boxes in like a four four two, and they're just all over yeah, the place. Classic, classic. It's like box watching, I don't know. It's like watching Louis Van Gaal's Manchester United. There's no structure. <laughs> Sounds about right. Guys, thanks so much for joining us. We're here to answer your questions, as always, on a Thursday. I think we're going to talk a little bit of League Cup action as well. Um, I mean, who really cares? But we'll we'll discuss it anyway. And we'll also be previewing this weekend's big action in part two, our fan league preview, as always. So do stay tuned for that. Before all that exciting stuff, though, it is time once again for whole of the week, our favourite iTunes review of the week if you want to get involved if you want to be potentially the winner of a box of Ferrero Rocher chocolates all you have to do is click on the link in the description of the podcast review and rate the front free on iTunes to be in with a chance we actually had quite a few reviews this week last week there was zero the emotional blackmail clearly worked um, Nico you, you're going to choose the winner this week you get to uh, to choose who gets really? that, that box of Ferrero Rocher uh, let's go for a few of them here first up we've got Dusto69, he says, I just listened to your latest podcast and heard you're lacking reviews. I thought to myself, there's no way you can't have any. So here I am. Your show is very entertaining and I have been looking for a good soccer podcast for a while and I can say it in all honesty, I have now found it. I'm from Australia and there is a lack of good football content. The sports radio channels here only ever talk about the AFL and I just get sick of it. It was so refreshing and exciting to me to be able to hear your podcast on the drive home today and hear you guys talking about my team, Chelsea. You have now found a solid fan 
and I can't wait until next week's episode. Five stars, very nice review. Thank you very much, Dusto69. I've also got one here from Sandini from the USA who says, I have to agree, Front Free is a great podcast. Five stars, excellent podcast, one of the best in the category, especially when everyone is indoors with a good microphone. So uh, Sandini will be happy today. I've been listening to the pod for a while now and you guys do a great job breaking down the conversation around football from tactical analysis to socio-political aspects of the game. It's always a fantastic listen. I'll be looking forward to future interviews and the continued improvement of the pod. Keep up the good work, fellas. From New York City, Santiago. Thank you very much, Sandini, for your review. Uh, we also had one here from Honky Sachmo, who said, best journos in football five stars, Lawrence McKenna and Statman Dave for gay dual prime ministers. Uh, not quite sure what to make of that one, but it's five stars definitely, nonetheless. Um, so. Definitely 50% possible. Yeah, at least 50%. Uh, and finally, we've got one here from KKGG from the UK, who say, great, five stars. And their review simply says, Nico Morales, thumbs down. Apart from Nico, the great <laughs> podcast is worth a listen. So there you have it. Uh, four reviews there. This gets my vote. Definitely, definitely not that one. Definitely so. not that one. Okay, yeah, that's strange. That's, that's funny. Um, of those three, then, I think it probably boils down to Sandini from the USA, who loved the tactical analysis and socio-political aspects, or Dustin mm. 69 from Australia, who's just found the podcast, heard we were lacking reviews, thought he'd uh, help us out. Out of those two, Nico. Both were good. They were both quite the, good. The, 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 the thumbs down review really got to me. I, I actually read it earlier this week and it's just been marinating. And I every night I'm just quite staring though, blank at the ceiling more, uh, listening to it. <laughs> uh, well, thinking There's about some it. sad um, wanks, hey? <laughs> oh, uh, out of the two that Adam has given me, I'd probably say the, the guy from Australia. Yeah, we got. Uh, I really enjoyed that review uh, from Dusto69, uh, a new listener. Thanks so much for writing your review. You've won the Ferrero Rocher, so do get in touch. Slide into those DMs on Twitter, even my Twitter, Adam with all the front freeze, and uh, we'll try and get you those chocolates. Um, yeah, a lot of winners from Australia recently. We did get called out for mm. anti-Australia bias, so uh, apparently we're really, uh, really writing that wrong. Uh, guys, if you want to be the whole of the week next week, next Thursday, what we have to do is leave your review and rating on iTunes. Do get involved. It helps us. Go up the charts, I think. Maybe. Did you say you were going to send stuff. the person who left the best review next week an iPhone X? Is that what you said? I definitely don't think I said that. Okay, definitely right. don't think I said that. I think I said about chocolates. That's usually how it a works. box of iPhone X. A wow. box of iPhones. Yeah. Just uh, we make so much money here at the front free. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm like the Robin Hood of podcasts. Just want to share the wealth. You know. Uh, anyway, let's move swiftly on to the Carabao Cup, the League Cup. Some really exciting games that we're going to get through as quickly as possible, starting with, let's start on Man City, uh, Nico. Man City, nil, Wolves, nil. Man City winning on penalties in the end after Wolves denied them in 90 minutes. The first team to stop Pep's side scoring in 90 minutes this season. Uh, that was all the ball's fault, apparently, so Guardiola said. Apparently, but I, I just want to point out, he also mentioned that, you know, I think he has this weird thing in press conferences where he, he likes to be as truthful as possible, but the media kind of looks for the sound bites that they're looking for. And he mentioned that he wouldn't have said anything about the ball had Manchester City not gone through. Um, but apparently the players have complained as well. Uh, and other people that I've talked to that have also uh, experienced the ball also agree that it is not of professional quality but i you know it is what it, it is what it is you got to play with the ball that you're giving you got to play with the circumstances that you're given so i don't necessarily agree with him coming out and talking about it but I, as i mentioned to you pre pre-record adam i think 
the teams that aren't in the Carabao Cup anymore probably got the better end of the deal, um, considering how hectic the schedule will be. And with Manchester City and their current squad deficiencies, you know, we might have two left backs with Zinchenko and Delph. Um, but still, you know, Benjamin Mendy is going to be out for the entire season and you want to see as little, you know, wear and tear on the squad as possible. And with more games, the more wear and tear there is. And there will actually be more congestion in the uh, winter period because the, ga- the the season will actually be shorter because they have to leave a specific amount of time for the World Cup this summer. Um, so the, the winter period for clubs who are involved in all, all four competitions is going to be absolutely brutal. So I think the teams that aren't in it are, are somewhat benefiting from that. Um, you know, they take a little bit of, hit, of a hit in the media uh, and, and, but, but, you know, they, they don't have to play in a, a, tr- a trophy that a lot of people don't really care about that much. But I guess to, to specifically talk about Manchester City against Wolves, I thought it was a good performance. Wolves, it, it's not like opposition is going to go back and watch this game as to how, you know, to stop Manchester City because they still created a ton of chances. It was just, you know, their goalkeeper had a really good day. Their, their defense was actually really good. It limited the chances, but it didn't completely stop them. I think the most tactically significant thing that I can come on to about the game is sort of the the inversion of the left back once again, uh, in this case, Zinchenko. He was used as a, sort of a free-flowing attacking midfielder in the club's previous, and I, I don't think like this left back position is necessarily uh, his permanent one, but I think him slotting in there and the way that Manchester City use it, basically they, they create a triangle of movement at the very edge of uh, the formation sort of between the two uh, defensive lines. And through the movement of those three players, whether it be the central midfielder takes a wide position and the forward comes deep or the fullback is wide and the central midfielder basically through through some movement like that, one of them ends up free in, in sort of the final third with, with kind of space. Um, and Zinchenko was was allowed to do that number of times. He didn't take full advantage of that. I think he hasn't necessarily played a senior game in a while, so I understand if he looks a little bit rusty, but I'd like to see him and sort of Delph used rotationally because if we just play Delph there every single game, there's a chance, considering his injury history, that something might happen. So I'm excited for his development as a player this year uh, in sort of a, a unique position, um, and I'm also excited for the the rotation that Manchester City can have. Have when, you thought about how you would uh, actually play against City? Like, it can't be an... Un- There's no such thing as an unplayable system. Have you thought about how you would play City? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think... Th- I'm still very scared to play Manchester United and Spurs because I think there are elements of their pressing that can expose Manchester City. Specifically, I think it's more of not necessarily falling prey to the overloads, like I mentioned, the triangle of movement on the left or right-hand side. So on the left-hand side, it was Inchenko, uh, Gundogan, and Gabi Jesus on the left, and Raheem Sterling, Bernardo Silva, and Danilo on the right. And if you can... Arsenal actually did it really well during the Cup, the the, the FA Cup semifinal, um, where they basically dedicated a certain amount of players to stopping that triangle of movement and it did work and they were allowed to uh, hit him on the counterattack and they beat him in that game and so I think if you can do those sort of things I've seen Mourinho uh, employ sort of a very defensive like rib cage like formation where it's a similar thing it basically built to negate the overloads and so if we if we're super dependent on those two triangles of movement outside of that then that can become a problem but I think the solution in that case would be to transition to a more last city 
you know, last year like City where the the onus or the pivot of the formations movement was dependent on the central midfielder, which if we have Gundogan and Fernandinho and Yaya Toure all uh, fit, then there's a wealth of options in that position. I think it's just transitioning that and maybe being prepared pre-match to what someone like Mourinho or Pochettino might do. But I've definitely thought about it because I think, you know, with how Manchester City are sort of disassembling teams, it, it's important to look to the future and see how Manchester City themselves can be disassembled. Hmm. Uh, when is... We're talking about the left back situation there. When is Benjamin Mendy supposed to roughly make a return for? It's it's not it's not until very late. It's January. like April. Okay. No, it's April what's because it's the, AC, it's ACL tear. So. Yeah. What's all the shark team stuff about that with Mendy? He um he I mean I I think it's just like a personification of what he views the Manchester City team as. He's like you Sharks. know he just. Yeah, it's just like you're hungry, you want success. So you know we're we're a team of you know it's like saying the same thing as like team of killers. You know, team of team of hungry athletes that want to achieve something. It's a shark team. I did like they, it. Did they come no, out? No, which shark is it? I mean, it could be a, it could be a basking shark. I would imagine great white. You know, so the, I, sure, they're not actually the most efficient killers. They don't kill yeah. that many things a year. So am I, am I making this up? Was this last I, week or I like two weeks ago? Shark. Did they wear? Oh, sure, a hammerhead. Yeah. Did they wear Shark Team t-shirts with that Mendy 22 on the back? So, am I making that? Yeah. Did I dream? I think you that can buy them. No, I think you can buy them. Oh, so it was all a, a cynical marketing stunt. Ah, it was a cynical marketing thing. I understand. The, that. Sorry, Nico. I, I thought the Man City had actually grown hearts. It's all right. Yeah. Don't worry. I hate the, I, I, I just really... At um, the Manchester City games, you can. there are actually a bunch of um, Shark are. inflatables now. So wow. Really? Yeah. I think it's I've cool seen on. It's really around. cool on. Um, I think I think the idea with that is to because obviously players in injury like especially as 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 a former athlete myself like going through a difficult injury um, not being able to run for a specific amount of time mm. so much of your life as you know a, an a- active person as I imagine so much so a professional athlete is 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 through physical activity that it can be sort of difficult to cope with that and Gundogan is is definitely no stranger to that Tiago Alcantara is definitely no stranger to that and they've both spoken about how important you know the culture of the club and, and the people around you are to sort of getting through that period from a mental state and I think keeping someone like Benjamin Mendy very happy and sort of distracted and as positive as possible by engaging in sort of the the shark team however cynical uh, 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 we, a marketing thing that they, I mean you know, which, we're, we're, football, which small football team is going to be the first ones to wear like Hooper and Quint t-shirts and be like we're going to hunt <laughs> down the jocks yeah. I'm just thinking is this when, when you come over to the UK in a few weeks Nico are we all going to have to wear Morales shirts number whatever something you're going to have to he's yeah. not dead like, I mean he's just saying there about the important uh, mental impact that can have Lawrence you know, you've got do you know what would be really good? Do you know what would be great, right? Is if, if as Man City were attacking, the Man City fans all went... Yeah, that would be impressive. And then it built perfectly to the moment of the goal. Let's um, let's get back to actual football briefly. Um, because That's actual football, Adam. <laughs> That's what real football is. <laughs> Another team in Manchester won uh, this week. Dave, uh, the holders, Manchester United, your team reaching the quarterfinals of these thanks to uh, Jesse Lingard. How thrilling. Mm, it was a thrilling game. Um, you know, two moments of, of pretty of brilliant movement from Jess Lingard. You're playing behind a, a two-man strike force. United playing a 3-4-1-2. Um, and I think Jess Lingard suits this position. He suits 
being, you know, the guy that's making those late runs. Rio Ferdinand always talks about Jess Lingard in, in a central area and how impressed he was, you know, watching him at youth level. But I think Jess Lingard, when he's playing behind a single striker, is a bit limited. He, you know, he does move to the, the wide areas. We saw against Huddersfield, he didn't have a great game there. But when he's playing behind a two-man strike force, it's quite interesting. If you look at the stats of those two performances against Swansea City, Jess Lingard had five shots on goal, uh, created two chances, had 10 touches inside the penalty area. You flip that to the game against Swansea, he had zero shots on goal, created only a single chance and had three touches inside the penalty area, but they were all really wide. Of course, he scored twice against Swansea, so it's just showing the difference in tactical fluidity that Mourinho's sort of going with this season. I think this back three system has got to be what he's going until Paul Pogba's back because United was so poor against Huddersfield um, in a central area. They looked a lot better playing with a, a you know a two strikers and one behind. There was more movement. There was more movement from the strikers coming off the line to receive the ball. There was also that movement from Jess Lingard going the other way. So if you were to sort of consider Mourinho and Manchester United as an animal, they're probably the orca whale right now. Of course, Manchester City are the sharks, but orca whales are the dominant animal in the ocean. And we'll see at the end of the season that once again, the orca whale will eat the shark, of course, and, and lift the Premier League title. That's not how... Right, OK. That, that isn't always... To I be fair, it. they don't hunt in similar waters. So that's a, doesn't matter. That's a good analogy, Dave. But Perfect orca whales analogy. don't eat, right? Lawrence, orca whales eat what they want, mate. Right, uh, wow. Okay. Right. Okay. What about the goldfish, Adam? How did uh, how did Spurs do? Oh, the goldfish. Um, I didn't actually watch this game. I didn't see it um, because I don't care one jot about the Carabao Cup. I went to see Thor. Ragnarok. What did you? What did you? <laughs> oh, Thor. I was going to ask what you watched instead. Uh, Thor. I went to see the third instalment in the Thor trilogy, uh, the latest in the. Wait, Thor or Thor? You know, Thor. All right. I'm, I have to pronounce that carefully. Uh, Thor, I went to see it. It was great. It was great fun, hilarious, uh, one of the best Marvel films. And I think it was a great use of my time. Instead of watching Spurs lose 3-2 to West Ham. 3-2 um, anyone... after a comeback. Yeah, I mean, I just I found it very hard to care at all. I know it's West Ham and you never want to lose to your rivals. And it's a Anything. cup game at home and blah, blah, blah. But I don't care about that. I don't, I don't care about the League Cup. I think, as Nico was pointing out to earlier... It's a big sort of drain on the squad. Um, it adds to an already hectic schedule, and I'm happy. It finishes in February, Adam. But I'm ha- that's like it's going to be one of the busiest periods around I don't Christmas take this for at us. All. It's absolute rubbish. Do you care about the league yeah. cup? Do you actually care about the league cup? Oh shit! Oh no! You're going to have to repeat your question. Excuse me. Repeat your answer because it will break up. Dave, do you actually care about the league cup? Yeah, I do. I do um, care about the league cup. I think it's important right. for for clubs. I think it's the first trophy of the season. I think it gives puts you in a real good mentality. And I think the the consideration there, if Spurs did care about the league, they did care about the the Premier League. There's Champions League. Sorry, it's about getting out the FA Cup quickly, not the League Cup. The League Cup finishes in February. What? You have a break for the Champions League in December to February. You can play the League Cup. You can win the League Cup, and then you're in the Champions League, and you've got some momentum. So I think I it's, a, it's a bit of a mistake. I'd rather, I'd rather win the FA Cup, but like the, I don't, I don't this is the thing. The why? Why would you rather win the FA Cup? Because you're both losers. Jesus, come on! It's just the same thing. It's just a cup competition in, in England. The, the smart thing about the League Cup is that you got it over and done with February. Yeah, but yeah, would, you, would you rather win the League Cup or the FA Cup? Oh, right. I'd rather win the FA Cup, obviously. Yeah. That's some more yeah, because because the no, I'd rather win the League Cup, better trophy. Yeah, but mate, you wind me up. Takes like half a season. Better trophy, good trophy. The, the league, same thing as the FA Cup. The FA Cup starts in January. I don't buy all this not mentality for, stuff either. I don't think. Yeah, but in the better half. I, I think if say they're saying a hypothetical world, Spurs did beat West Ham and they went on to win the League Cup. 
everyone would just be saying, oh, it's only a League Cup. You know, they win to, need to win a real honour in order to build that winning mentality. I don't think it's the, the sort of trophy that really uh, transforms the image around the club. I mean, even yeah, but you... what is it? What's image? What's this is the thing? This is the concept of modern football fans. Is they're so fickle with trophies. You've won the League Cup. I went to the League Cup final last <laughs> yeah, year. I was ecstatic Cup. when United won the League Cup. It's yeah. a, it's, 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 it's a final. Like it's it's a day out. Trophy. It's just you know, in terms of what we're talking about, how Spurs have aspirations and a genuine chance, given their you know tactical fluidity this season, to really push for the title considering how they perform against both good teams and bad teams you would rather have less wear and tear on an already thin squad as opposed to just winning a league cup it's funny how fickle united fans are isn't it that one minute they call liverpool's uh treble in whatever year it was uh, yeah but it wasn't a, a mickey it wasn't mouse a good treble was it lawrence it was a mickey mouse treble but dave you literally just said to me a trophy's a trophy like, what, yeah, but at the so same what, time, you're, com- you're comparing the 1990 the, the 2001 treble. That's like completely he, he's drank, he's drank the Kool-Aid, Lawrence. There's no point. But, yeah, it's a, good point. it's a good point, Nico. You're already on your way, Dave. Go on. I, I, Dave, I understand what you're saying. I, I understand what Dave's saying, but for me, I don't think I don't buy into that whole thing about winning winning a, a cup competition all of a sudden transforms the mentality and builds a winning mentality and therefore will especially the League Cup, I don't think that's something so significant that it builds towards that. I know Jose Mourinho apparently rates the League Cup and apparently counts the Community Shield in his free trophies from last year. Um, but for me, I just don't personally care about the League so Cup at all. So here's another question, right? Mourinho was, uh, had 54 more votes for Coach of the Year in the, the best awards that have come up recently. Yeah, one of them Do you think that's right over Pochettino? Do you think that's, that's correct? No, uh, but I definitely think that the skewing... And the fact that journalists and things, you get to see their votes afterwards. And it's not really, it's, it's a PR think, campaign ahead of anything else. Well, like, obviously the Europa League is a, is a significant achievement in itself. I wouldn't necessarily doubt the, the worthiness of that competition. But yeah, I, I have no problem. I think for winning. certain clubs it is, and for certain clubs it isn't. If you look at yeah, Manchester United and the rest of the clubs in that competition, especially the one that they faced in the final, they are financially head and shoulders above the rest of the competition. They are talent-wise head and shoulders above the rest of the competition. So, you know, if other clubs in different contextual situations win that trophy, then yes, it is a, it is a big achievement. Did, but for did, Manchester United... Did Mourinho yeah. get way more votes than Conte? I had a brief look at this and I couldn't see many... Uh, I, I, I've not got the votes in front of me. That's the only problem. Because that was something I saw and I was like, hmm, Mourinho seems to have gotten a few votes more but it, than... But it's say, funny and... Yeah, I mean, one of them doesn't count, though, because one of the votes was from Duncan, Duncan Castles. Castles. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> He's basically a parody of himself nowadays. Guys, I don't Go know ahead. if it's actually... I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing, but um, the Carabao Cup draw has now been delayed. Oh, why? Who cares? Um, uh, it's, it's delayed <laughs> until tomorrow, uh, I'm told. We didn't get into the draw, but apparently other people close to us did. I did um, see... And I saw Carabao tweet out that there was a glitch at Twitter HQ. It was apparently going to be streamed live on Twitter. I assume it might just be some I'm, sort of technical difficulty. I'm not joking. I'm not kidding. Um, they have Phil Tufnell. <laughs> they draw, of course, a famous footballer. Yes. Um, do you want to explain who Phil Tufnell is for 90% of people listening who don't know who he is? Well, the Phil, T- uh, Phil Tufnell is an ex-cricketer. Uh, and the other guy from... Who's, who's the other guy on a question sport? Matt, someone... Who's a rugby player? Matt Dawson. So, yeah, of course. Matt Dawson. Yeah. Yeah. Strange. Uh, every white middle class person, um, middle class person's favourite baldman. Let's um, move swiftly on. We should oh, say though, big win for West Ham could be a turning point for Billich. People seem to be saying that. 
in my opinion. They didn't sack Absolute him last season. Rubbish. Well, they didn't. Small, yeah, that's the thing. They, small, small ambition. Yeah, they didn't know. sack him last season when they should have, just because they beat Spurs. So I'm sure they'll they'll keep him for longer than they should now. Um, they've got this. No, I'm not bitter. Just you know. Um, should we touch on um, Claude Puel to, to Leicester? Yes. Let me say one thing briefly. Is uh, the only other notable results I can see in the Carabao Cup was Arsenal winning. Edward Nketiah, 18-year-old hero, scoring extra time. Uh, As Arsene Wenger pointed out, Nketiah wasn't even conceived when Wenger was already Arsenal manager, which is a weird thing to say, but yeah, very true. Uh, Also, uh, Bristol City thrashed Crystal Palace 4-1, which is embarrassing. So those are the two other notable results. But yes, as Nico said there, uh, the other... Significant news coming out this week in the world of football, uh, at least in England, is that Claude Puel has been nominated, has been appointed manager of Leicester City. Uh, what do you make of this one, Nico? Because from what I can see of Leicester fans, they seem less than uh, less than inspired by this point. I think it's actually a really good, a really good appointment. I really like Claude Puel. I think the most important things for clubs in. Uh, the you know the the most common financial situation is matching the squad to the manager as opposed to bringing in a manager and hoping that his idea of football will sort of you know come onto players that maybe they don't necessarily like i think if you have if somebody can through statistical or tactical or analytical analysis provide you with an idea of what a certain group of players that you already have do best and you can find a manager to sort of uh you know complement that style and and you think can achieve something together then i think that's sort of the best way to go about appointing a manager if you are without one and it's obvious that lester have held out for a manager that would you know be similar to the defensive style that they were so successful with under Ranieri um, by keeping Shakespeare in there for so long. And I think it's probably fortunate that that Southampton didn't stick with Clodwell. I think that was a little unjust given how unlucky he was in front of goal and how competent he was in sort of building a defensive team. Um, I think the the defensive style that he wants to to put forth is really one that can can succeed in England. And I think especially with the players that have come to Leicester and the players that they already had there before is something that he will succeed with. I don't know if Mares will have the, the greatest of times under Puel because I think he, he asks a lot of his offensive players, he asks a lot of all of his players to be sort of two-way entities, but probably more one way than the other considering his defensive mindset. Um, but I, I'm really excited to see what he does with players like uh, Vicente Bora and Adrian Silva who will join them in January. So I, I, I think it's a good move. I think it matches their players and, and it's, I think, an intelligent move from the board at Leicester. Hmm, well, can I just stop you there just for a sec? Uh, just because uh, you can add Chris. I'll I'll do this and then I'll add Chris. Ready? Um, interesting stuff. Let's move on to the questions then in part two. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Right, part two is the questions you've been sending in on Twitter out of front three. Thank you very much for that. Uh, joining us is uh, Chris Hennage as well. So the gang is all here, guys. Chris, how you doing? Yeah, not bad. Are you ready for some serious and hard-hitting football questions? That's all I'm ever ready for. First up, Oliver Stoneman says... <laughs> first up, Oliver Stoneman says, who'd win in a battle royale of the front three? Excellent question. Uh, I assume he's saying who'd win in a fight to the death out of us five? Yeah. Uh, do you know what? My instinct, there's something in my instinct that is saying Dave would win. I think he would. No, he he no, would be the best no, fighter. Um, I think uh, he just dropped out. while I'm saying this too. Strong enough. Um, <laughs> ooh, I don't know about that. Um, do you not think <laughs> Dave, li- Dave literally hangs up? Yes, I'm, no, no, <laughs> I'm done. Yeah, I'm not in. Uh, Battle no, Royale is the one I'm like sure. um, the film where we all get dropped on an island and it's just us and the elements and any weapons we can find. Right. That's that's what. Oh, interesting. Okay. Ah, right. Okay. Uh, so I think, I, da- I think Dave would die most... fairly quickly. I think Dave would be the most resourceful. Me? I, I would die fairly quickly. Yeah, Why? Nico would be I dead think, within oh, 10 I, seconds. I, Nico, yeah, because at Bolt would just find him and rip him limb yeah. from limb. <laughs> um, and then Dave, I think Dave would definitely uh, thrive, but only because he sort of read one book about it. But then once the book's knowledge sort of runs dry, mm-hmm. then Dave's dead. Yes, um, but I think Dave would be Bolt very would resourceful. Bolt has got a lot of body fat to sort of survive on. Oh, so. <laughs> <Quite a while. laughs> would, um, yeah, but then you'd be, have you seen uh, Empire Strikes Back? You'd cut me open and get inside, you know what I mean? Use that fat yeah. to like, stay warm. <laughs> <laughs> and Kristen and I would live inside Adam Bolt yeah. until someone came I'm that big. to save um, us both. Then, let me, so let me just get this straight. But then I think Dave, I, is, Dave is the most resourceful that he would therefore win a battle royale out of us five. So this is, this is a summary of how it would play out. Adam would just immediately rip me limb from limb for no reason. For, Dave apparently. would die. And then well, you would cut Adam would open, open. And you and Chris would live inside Adam peacefully. He'd live inside, yeah. And then, um, the, the problem is, Dave, Dave, would be, Dave would live for a while, like I said. Dave would live for a while, but just muttering Jose Mourinho's pragmatism. And be on the beach, just like, it's, it's the only <laughs> way think, to live. I think Dave would win out of our yeah. personally. But then the question is, if it's you and Chris who are left... Uh, quivering and, and hiding inside my carcass who would turn on the other first i think lawrence, <laughs> well, this is the thing, lawrence would turn first chris is too nice so therefore you turn on him and then you'd you'd win. i'm wily you'd i'm wily i'll give you yeah, that adam you've got like my that. character just right something like that let's turn on to, let's turn on to a real football question uh, who is the fourth best player in the world uh says mark hardingham uh dave who are the three best players in the world first off is it as clear just so annoyed with skype right now I literally missed the conversation about Battle Royale. Oh, no. no. My, oh, no. You know, one of my favourite films. Because I kept on logging in, logging out. They to sort their, honestly, they need to sort their, their UI out. It's pathetic. Who? The buttons Sky. are too small for my big chubby fingers. Well, Just killing me. Well, I'll sort to... your big chubby fingers out you. <laughs> Dave, I reckon... Yeah. I was trying to well, say... you can't do finger weights, can you, Lawrence? I was trying to say those big chubby fingers would uh, see you win the Battle Royale. Yeah, I think I'd, I think I'd take the battle royale. Yeah, yeah you'd wrap so. those big chubby fingers around Lawrence's neck, wouldn't you? No, that'd be that. 
I've been watching a lot of gangster documentaries recently. Very interesting. <laughs> yes, He's been watching one series of gangster documentaries <laughs> and then telling us it's lots of. <laughs> no, no, actually, I've moved on from the New York mob now. Now I'm on the Irish mob. Both Ooh, very interesting. Interesting. Uh, back on the, the question I had, because <laughs> the Battle Royale one was good. I, I, I see the temptation to keep talking about it. But we have got to talk about actual football. Who is the fourth best player in the world? Dave, who are the best free players in the world, first off? Is it as clear cut as um, we usually do? Messi, Ronaldo. Definitely mm-hmm. still number one and number two. Maybe Mbappe. I think Marcelo it? last season was was in with a shout of being top three. I thought it was fantastic. I think he's, he's reasonably kept that form this season. Um, but there could be the likes of Neymar this season. Calendar year, he's been pretty good. Obviously, the, the exit with Barca, maybe not that same level as some of the, the Real players. I think Real are sort of heads and shoulders. Casemiro as well. Definitely got to be in the discussion. In terms of being fourth, Casemiro could be fourth in there. But then you think in Marouane Fellaini and what he's done for Manchester United in 2017 has been pretty incredible. So I'd probably put Fellaini fourth, Casemiro third, Ronaldo Messi. You cannot be serious. Wow. Who, who's your fourth, Nico? <laughs> um, Kevin, De Bru- Kevin, Kevin De Bruyne, isn't it? Wow, not Harry Kane. Strange. Kevin De Bruyne is definitely out there. Uh, fourth best player in the world for you, Lawrence? Oh, it's very really. Um I mean, so have you named? Wait, who's putting your top? Who have we agreed is the top three? Th- Messi, let's just, let's just say I think put the the common uh, Messi, Ronaldo, Neymar. Messi, Ronaldo, Neymar. Yes. So therefore, who is the fourth after those three? That one's a tricky one, isn't it? Um, Trent Alexander Arnold. Yeah, do not say just because literally the other day I said that I liked him at le- right back for Liverpool. Oh, you think um, he's a great full time? Do you? Yeah, uh, I do. Well, he could be. Um, that's a really good question. Um, I'm trying to think of. Le- I'm trying to rank the leagues a little bit at the moment because I'm, I'm also quite impressed. I'm trying to think of which players individually the best because there are a lot of players playing very well within systems right now, and I sort of think the system massively benefits them. Whereas Ronaldo and Messi look like they go between any system mm. and still thrive. It's somewhat the same as Neymar does with Brazil. I'm trying to think of another player who's up on the international stage. Is there a German player that you can put up there? Uh, surely not. No. Tony Cruz. Tony Cruz is not a bad chat. I don't think he's in great, uh, fantastic form at the moment. Back no, I, don't think, he's I think we've got to start the, the propaganda for Mezzo Ozil to join Manchester United, so I might as well say I mean, Chris, surely at this point we've got to start the propaganda for uh, John Joe Shelby being in the England squad for yeah. the World Cup. Fourth yeah, best player no, in the that's world. not a bad shout. Um, not the fourth best. No, I think it's De Bruyne. Yeah, De Bruyne, uh, De Bruyne or Kane. Good shout. They're um, both still in their position. Here he is another question. No defenders yeah. mentioned there, just weirdly. Yeah. Just saying. I mean, Sergio Ramos, arguably, after Zidane's quotes the other night. Marcelo's a defender. Yeah, he's not really. Yeah, he's really a left winger. Here is a question from Alex Davidson. Davison. Alexander Will this be another trophyless season for Spurs. They are out of the League Cup already. What do you think, Alex? We don't even need to answer the squad this one. of Manchester City and United. Can they compete? Um, I think most people would say, surely Man City are favourites for the title. Looks like Spurs could potentially be their, their nearest rivals along with Manchester United. I think, yes, the the League and the FA Cup will be now the best chances of silverware. But therefore, it could be another trophy for the season, unfortunately. Let's see how it unfolds. Uh, I think let's come back to that later on in the season. Um, here is a question. 
we'll give it to you, Dave. I think you've already answered it on Twitter. Are Valencia the most exciting team in Spain, says Alex on Twitter. Yeah, definitely so. They're, they're very, very exciting. Guadez is one of the best young players in world football. You know, bought from Benfica. I saw him playing for Benfica. I was impressed by his work rate and his sort of talent to, to create chances as a number 10. But now Valencia playing on the left. No, stupid internet. Dave just check, check Twitter again. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're good. They're very good. So if you you know if you've got some time, watch Valencia. Who's their coach? Who's the Valencia coach? Um, Marcelino. Marcelino. Ah, right. Very very good coach. Did some great stuff with uh, Villarreal, um, with the likes of Bakambu, Denis uh, Suarez. So he's a he's a very talented manager, and he, he's got them playing a four four two that's very aesthetically pleasing on the eye. And someone like Kondogbia, that I think Kondogbia is a real talent. I've seen Kondogbia tear teams apart on his own with his ability to break the play up and then drive through midfield. But there's been games for Inter Milan where he's anonymous. So I think under Marcelino, he's doing the role that he should be doing. It's the, role, the same role that Yardim gave him at Monaco, being destructive, playing next to someone like Pereo, who's Kareto's controlling the tempo of the game. Basically, Kondobio can just roam around. Honestly, a little bit like a Patrick Vieira-type midfielder. So there's just a lot of good components. Then you've got Zaha, obviously, and Rodrigo up front. And, um, you know, Andres Pereira off the bench. Solar on the right wing, who's come through the academy at Benfica, that plays a little bit like David Beckham. Basically... They're a little bit like United 99, if I were to, mm. to class them as any side, and that's why they're so exciting. Zaza, did you say? Yeah, Simone Zaza, reserved. Simone Zaza this yeah. season is banging goals in for fun. Yeah, Proofy says, uh, says, What do you think of Simone Zaza's resurgence, and what part do you think Marcelino is playing in it? So, we've basically answered that. So, there's another question down. Uh, here is a question. Let's give this to you, Chris. Uh, what do you think of the common goal initiative involving Mata Hummel's? Etc. That's from James Harling on Twitter. Uh, Shinji Kagawa also signed up apparently today to the uh, to the initiative, which sees footballers donate, I believe, one percent of their earnings to to charity. Is that right? Yeah, it, I'm not sure what the charity is or the charities are. Um, I think yet yeah, it's an it's a nice thing. You could argue in some ways it, because of its public nature, it's, um, it almost encourages players to be more involved. Um, I think Alex Morgan's included as well, and, and Serge Gnabry is another one, along with uh, Chiellini, who is, is quite an interesting character. Um, yeah, I, th- I think I think personally I get caught between two minds with this kind of stuff because footballers are very blessed financially and also in terms of the platform they have. So I think whenever they can be involved in philanthropy, that's, that's a great thing, but it should never be forced. They should always want to do it naturally because I think charity isn't charity when it's forced. That is part of the problem, isn't it? Is, is also, uh, there are some people saying, uh, I think it was only 17 players that have signed up for this. Uh, some people saying, I can't believe it's only 17 players that have signed up. And I do wonder how many of those players uh, have already signed up or given something else to charity and therefore maybe don't see the need to donate 1%. Um, it, this is one of many causes. I think a lot of people seem to think that players don't give unless they publicly give. So it's a tricky yeah. I think it's good. Well, they're, uh, they're publicly given in part also to raise awareness, I assume, and it encourages other footballers to do it. And good point. I think it's a, it's a great initiative. Um, we have a question here from Gulad Mohamed, uh, who asks, why does Iniesta make the World eleven when he's clearly past it, while Casemiro, who even scored a crucial goal in the final, gets ignored? Uh, what do you reckon, Nika? I mean, we discussed this on Monday. P- perhaps should have been 
Casemiro, perhaps Isco, someone like that, in the team instead of uh, Iniesta? I think, um, and sort of when we were talking about the, the manager vote situation a little bit earlier, it's always interesting to see how you know players vote because obviously certain things that appease certain players and the respect that they have for the qualities of the other individuals who occupy the same professional space, uh, you know, in their game, they, they obviously vote for certain qualities. And it's always interesting to see like the consistencies among those votes and how maybe someone who maybe there's a player that we don't necessarily think is that great um, is always voted for. Like, I think that was sort of the case or that is sort of the case right now with maybe Luka Modric and Tony Cruz. They're obviously fantastic players, but they don't necessarily impact the goal and, and assist charts in, in a major way because of the position that they play. But we still see them year in and year out sort of get into the the best squads and, and you know the most voted teams because because of the respect that they accrue of their fellow professionals and I think that kind of goes for Iniesta as well is that he may not necessarily be impacting um, the field or the, you know the, the pitch as he once did um, in his younger years but there is still an enormous amount of respect like we hear players talk about one another and say you know he was just impossible to play against his quickness his movement his passing um, was just impossible to deal with and maybe that's something that is still apparent to anyone who plays against him and I, I think that's probably why he still gets the votes but on the flip side of that as well you're not going to remember playing against someone like Casemiro or someone like Vidal or someone like Angulo Kante because they're just going to be kicking lumps out you for the whole game you're not going to mean I, think, I think you'll remember, remember that, that. <laughs> like, he was the best player I played this season because you'll think oh I hated playing against him you know, that's the process, isn't it, in terms of the vote? It's not going to be, you know, Casemiro should have got sent off in the quarterfinal, semifinal of Champions League and stayed on the pitch because he's smart. You're not yeah, going to go yeah, back. But look at, look at Casemiro how was have, really smart then. Look at how people have voted, like, in that same vein for N'Golo Kante. They've said, like, every time I played against him, he was just impossible to get around. He was everywhere. So they would say the same for Casemiro and, and Vidal. And I, I think there's a point there that they probably should be included in these in these 11s and not enough defensive players are. But I, I just think, you know, it's you know it's probably that case. Like, there are still defensive players being voted for. Mm. Uh here is one for you, Lawrence. I mean, the answer is obvious if you think about it. Uh, Jesse it Eleven says, who is the next player who will become a successful manager? You know, the likes of Giggs, Lam, <clears throat> Buffon, etc., he says. There's one candidate, the answer to every question, staring every, in the face. I mean, you don't, need, don't stop leading me down the garden path. I've already seen the path. I'm already down it. So thank, God, a long thank God. Yes. Uh, think that should make a good manager? I mean, he'd make a very stylish manager, but a good manager. I mean, I think... Just because you're stylish doesn't mean you lack substance. Mm. I mean, just ask, just ask Dave. True, um, very true. I mean, the, the point is uh, that Xabi Alonso is also one of those players, I think, who read the game very well, seemed to understand it, it, it quite a lot, seems like a very considered guy. Um, you know, there's a lot there for him to pass on, and I think he's well-respected within a lot of circles. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think that Xabi Alonso will probably make a good part of a a management team. I also do wonder sometimes uh, in the future what that Spain squad's going to have. And, you know, they're obviously going to have the likes of Iniesta, uh, Xavi Alonso, Iniesta and maybe someone like Xavi, someone else, um, you know, the Puyol types, few players. Um, we'll see. There are a few people who in the future may be found out as frauds of players because they don't or whatever. But in the meantime, let's just say Xavi Alonso. Um, speaking of transitioning into management, we have a question here from Gurmai Tech Lab, who says, if Red Bull bought a team in League 2, 
would you take said team to win the Premier League before Arsenal wins it again? Dave, we may as well throw this to you. You're doing and, the badges and everything, right? You're doing some coaching courses. Yeah, yeah, definitely would work for a bull. Definitely would, you know, the team would be good because I think they've they've I'm built listening. a model in, in Leipzig and they've built a model in New York that is sort of geared to playing quite attractive football and pressing football and sort of this new age football. So, you know, I think there'd be a lot of work that you do, but I think the structure's in place to, to create something pretty special in England and uh, sort of showcase these other styles of football that we haven't, we haven't really seen anyone that's been as aggressive as a, as a Leipzig or as aggressive as, um, you know, someone like that over in Germany, let's say. So it'd be quite exciting, to be quite honest. Red Bull Barney. They did, uh, they did almost buy Leeds, didn't they? They almost bought Leeds. Barney. Don't think I'd do Leeds, though, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, ah. maybe not. Um, Dave, what, what coaching courses are you doing at the moment for the listeners uh, who might not have heard about it? Uh, just doing the FA Level 1. That's now a four-day course. Plus your um, child safety and your first aid. It's really interesting. Mm. Going to probably get a club or get a team in Manchester and then do the level two. Um, then the UA for B and then the UA for A. So mm. it's, um, you know, it's time to have fun. And you're going to be uh, leading London City to uh, next level football glory as well, surely. Yeah, I've, um, I've sent my CV into the, the chairman of London City, so I'm just waiting for a response. Obviously, I'll probably have to get the qualification before you know he can really take me on and, and you know properly employ me. We'll see. You need a PowerPoint presentation, everything to, to really impress him. But uh, mm. yeah, it, we have to make the playoffs first. We have to make the playoffs. Um, let's carry on with the questions here. Uh, there's no one there for Dave. We'll leave that for a second. Uh, blah 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 blah. Here's one for you, Lawrence. That I, Yes. By. Charles Antinanis says, despite their reputation, are the Dildo brothers in fact the most generous men in football? Uh, I'm not quite sure what's inspired that question. Is there something I've missed with the owners of West Ham? Uh, yes, uh, in many ways. Yeah, they're, they're, the Dildo brothers are big givers. <laughs> yes, well said. Um, let's move on from that very quickly. Uh, Chris, Karim Solomon says, is finishing overrated as a skill? Conversion doesn't seem to vary as much overall relatively. So is creating more chances not more crucial? Make of that what you will. I, un- I understand the question. Um, <laughs> Good. <laughs> the, the thing is, no, I don't think finishing is overrated because... I think you can look at the way the market dictates prices for that in, in so much as number 10s go for less than number 9s. And I'm just using numbers to indicate position there rather than mm. I know there's different types of striker. But there's a reason that, that Harry Kane and Mbappe and Neymar go for so much is because they provide goals. Um, I think that there is an art of being a creator that's underrated. That That much is true. But what I think is different is is that, and it, and it was an American coach actually that told me this fairly recently, um, is that there are a lot of players who want to be number 10s, but there are a much smaller number that can actually do it in terms of taking the ball, finding the right spaces and, and creating opportunities. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I would I would say that mm-hmm. um, creators are underrated, but that doesn't mean that striking or finishing is overrated. Carlos Zaldivar, long-time listener, says, granted it's very early, but with City, Barcelona, PSG and Napoli slash Inter all leading in their respective leagues, having yet to lose a game, could we see any of them do an invincible season? And if so, which team would you hedge your bets on, Nico? 
I'd probably say that Manchester City wouldn't be able to do it. I would be surprised if they got through an entire Premier League season without you know, losing to someone. But I think of those teams that he mentioned, uh, I would say... I would say Napoli have a real chance to do it because mm-hmm. I think they're apps they're doing nah. really really well in, in Serie A. Um, Inter the the least of those. I, I I don't necessarily think they're they're going to go all wins, but I think it'll be some draws. But I, I think if any of those teams do have a chance, like the best chance, not saying that they'll do it, but if somebody does, I think it's Napoli. Wow. Okay. Um, big shout. Uh, final question because we're running out of time. We've got to move on to the previews for this weekend. It's from Luke Dore. We'll go one by one. If you were going to cook, if you're all going to go and come dine with me, what would you cook and why? Lawrence, you first. Great question. If we were all going to come dine with me, what would you cook for us all and why? Uh, okay. Um, my starter would be... Oh, I thought we had to go starters. Yeah, sorry. I, I thought it was just one course. dish. I thought it was just one dish, but I think... Uh, let's go for one dish, simplify it. Let's go for one main course. What are you going to blow us uh, with? One main course. Wow. Um... I do a really nice chicken. Um, chicken. chicken. It's I do chicken. just good chicken. Yeah. I also just think it's chicken. Chicken carbonara is. Uh, I have a really good chicken carbonara. It's oh. excellent. I mean, like to the point where I, chicken stock with the pa- pasta. It's just a really nice. It's quite a light meal, surprisingly. Wow. Uh, it's excellent. It's really is, beautiful. Is stuff. that your personal twist that makes it special? That like, it's a light carbonara. It's it's quite it can it, yeah it can be quite light and then mm. I, I pair it and I mix in some rocket into the bold. actual cup it's beautiful that is you bold. really will like uh, Nico yeah. what would you be cooking I think in sort of a similar vein to that it would definitely be a pasta dish I'd go whole grain penne and then do like a spicy a spicier sauce with some sun dried tomatoes Oof. and maybe uh, uh some some like a like a nice little piece of chicken cut up into that. Uh, to make it a nice rounded dish. Whole grain penny. Not for me, Clive. I'm afraid you've lost <laughs> me. Whole grain is actually quite nice. You've lost yeah, me. Yeah, I like whole grain You've penny. lost me. Uh, Dave, what are you cooking? I was going to cook pasta, but you two are cooking pasta, so obviously pasta that sort of rules me out of cooking pasta. Would have gone for some... Let me, let me guess, pizza. Tomato. Um, but instead, we're going to go for a chickpea curry. Ooh, Simple as pie. Different. We're going to have a rata with it. We're going to have some naan bread. And yes, it's going to be bloody amazing. Oof, that sounds pretty good. Uh, Chris, what, what are you cooking up? Tuna sandwiches. Good. Fuck. You can all suck him off. Fuck off. <laughs> uh, my specialty is Mexican chili con carne. Spicy, wholesome, beautiful. I think that would be... What uh, about the chili? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, let's move on to part three. He's talking about your genitals. It's the... Oh, God, the start. It's the Fan (laughs) League Preview. Right, it's the weekend preview in association with Fan League. You know it by now. Fan League is the football prediction that lets you take on your mates to predict the outcome of the weekend's top football matches. We're doing pretty well on that right now, I've got to say. We're averaging around nine correct results a week, I think, so far, over the past past couple of weeks. So if you think you can beat that, and uh, beat the combined brain power of the front three, then do come and join our league and take us on. Just click the link in the description of this podcast for more. Remember, family donates 10% of their revenues to youth and grassroots football projects if you needed another reason to join. So, as always on family, we're predicting the outcome of 13 English League, Premier League and Championship matches, uh, selecting a home win, an away win, or a draw. Let's get into the predictions. We'll go one by one. I'll go around us all to, uh, to get all of our expert opinions. We'll start 
with you, Nico. West Brom hosting Manchester City this weekend on Saturday. Wow. Talk to me. Preview this game. Tell me, is it a home win? Is it an away win for City? Or is it a draw? Probably say away win. City mm. have been in pretty glittering form as of late. Their movement off the ball, like I mentioned earlier, the triangles. Um, triangles of movement sort of really, really uh, difficult to deal with. So I think it'll just be a continuation of the form. It'll probably be a, a, a not an easy win for City, but I'd be surprised if they struggle all that much. Chris, uh, we've got Watford Stoke as well on Saturday. Uh, high-flying Watford, they're surely uh, the favourites to win. Yeah, I'm presuming this is uh, Vicarage Road. Uh, it is indeed. Yeah, so I don't like Stoke at the minute. They're not. They just seem a little bit flat whenever I watch them. Um, whereas Watford's decor seems to be growing with each week, and and the fact that Kapu can't get a kick and is is uh, talking in the press about trying to get a new contract says I think that decor is doing a lot. So yeah, I think Watford will take that. Probably two one, something like that. Okay, we'll go for uh, a, a little flat there. is a very generous way to describe Stoke right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, funnily enough, zero percent of fan league users believe there will be an away win there for Stoke. Uh, so we'll go with the seventy-five percent who believe uh, Watford are going to win it. Uh, Liverpool against Huddersfield at Anfield. Lawrence, uh, surely a home win, a much-needed home win to change the narrative around Jurgen Klopp and his side. The actual press versus Liverpool. Um, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting one because those guys are going to be motivated after what they've achieved um, against Manchester United. I'm going to th- I think they're going to probably be able to do the same against Liverpool. I mean, you'd say a fairly um, a fairly distraught squad after the uh, the low of last weekend for Liverpool. A lot of infighting um, um, amongst the press in Liverpool. A lot of people. Uh, talking about how unhappy some of the players are or some of them are uh, defecting in a way um, and people trying to keep that sort of thing quiet. I think it's difficult for Liverpool fans to work out exactly what's true and what isn't right now. And I guess the big issue is that it sort of means it makes it difficult to work out exactly what's going on in Jurgen Klopp's team. So if there's any game you're going to bet sort of against what you consider to be the favourites, it would be this game this weekend. And then do the, what's the misery compiler or whatever it is on it? The uh, you mean to hedge? Sure, hedge it. Yeah, yeah. Hedge it means you get to choose two results on, I believe, so, five of the games, so we can sort of uh, hedge our odds. Yeah. So, so uh, go uh, Huddersfield to win, hedge it. So you want me to go Huddersfield to win, away win, and home win? Essentially, you want to go for both? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Okay, we'll do that. I definitely don't agree with that at all, but we'll do it. Uh, and I could be proved wrong. Uh, we've also got Crystal you Palace against West Ham. Dave coming up on Saturday. Uh, pass, of course. Beat Chelsea a big win, but since then they've lost to Newcastle. They've now lost to to Bristol in the week. So is this a West Ham week coming off the back? Coming off the back if that's a big win over Spurs? No, I don't think so. I think Crystal Palace and Roy Hodgson will um, defeat West Ham. Billich, wow. I think it's going to be a defensive game from Palace, but a, a game that will catch West Ham out. You know, defensively their transition from attack to defence is absolutely atrocious. Too many flair players in that side at the moment, not enough workers. And I think Roy Hodgson's team. They're just going to outmuscle them and outwork them, and I think it's going to be a, it's, it's going to be a, a, maybe a two 0 win. Mm, home win. Zaha with a brace. Okay, we'll go for a home win then. Um, Nico, we've also got Arsenal v Swansea, the final Premier League game in the Fan League predictions this weekend. Uh, what do you make of that one? Home win. It's a difficult one because I think of uh, the analysis maybe that Lawrence mentioned a few weeks ago of Swansea is a, a disconnection between um, you know some of the forward play and some of the 
play behind. And I think some of that is down to Paul Clement for some reason not using some of their summer signings in, in Roque Mesa and, and others in an intelligent way. Um, but I think maybe they're starting to work out some of those issues with some recent pickup in form. So I'd like to think that maybe this is going to be a draw. Ooh, a draw. Okay, uh, we'll go for that then. I, I'm going I'm to head you over home win as well, just to be safe. Um, on Sunday, Chris, we've got Bournemouth welcoming Chelsea. Wait, sorry, did someone just say Arsenal and Swansea are going to draw? Uh, yes. So I did. He said it. Don't agree with it, ah. but we're going to go with it. Um, we're also going to go for an Arsenal home win as well. Uh, Bournemouth-Chelsea, yeah. Chris? Uh, Bournemouth-Chelsea, it's at Bournemouth-Chelsea. See, that one I think would be more likely to be a draw if I was going to pick a, a big team stumbling. Um, yeah, I like that. Bournemouth have picked up of late. It's just... We can do a bit of hedging on that one. We can go for an away win and a draw. Yeah, I, think that I would say hedge that, hedge that one on a draw and a, and a potential away win. Although... To sound almost like Paul Merson, don't be shocked if Bournemouth win. Hmm. What about Paul Machen never said that? Yeah. All right. What about Brighton Southampton Lawrence? I was very impressed last time I saw Brighton play, which albeit was against Everton, so that may be why. But two very similar teams in in very similar positions. Uh, Brighton for a home win though, home advantage. Yeah, you know, I, I, again, I think this one. I'm going to base my prediction on confidence and teams going into it. Um, with that element, the only problem is I think um, Brighton don't look as savvy. Uh, actually, no, let's go for a surprise in this one. No, Brighton will lose. Wow, okay, so we're going for an away win for Southampton. Uh, yeah, fair enough. Uh, we've also got Leicester against Everton on Sunday. Uh, both teams potentially with that new manager bounce or looking for it at least. Claude Poel, of course, at Leicester and David Unsworth, manages first league game at least uh, for Everton. I think on form we're, we're going to go for a Leicester win they haven't been playing badly this season they haven't been picking up the results I think they will get that bounce we'll go for a home win there and briefly in the championship games we've got QPR against Wolves Wolves on form league leaders at the moment although they did play 120 minutes against City midweek I think we'll go with Wolves though uh, as the current league leaders have said uh, we've also got Norwich Derby Norwich haven't lost a game since August so we're going to go for a home win for Norwich uh, Cardiff Millwall Cardiff been very good this season currently second so we'll go for a home win for them and we've also got Hull against Nottingham Forest. Uh, we'll go for uh, we'll go for Hull there. We'll give them the home advantage. And finally, we've got Aston Villa against Birmingham local derby. Villa on form after a slow start, five wins out of six. So we're going to go for an away win for Villa there. Okay, so that's our fan league prediction done then. Uh, do check them out on Twitter. Do join the league. Do take us on anything you can do better. As I said, we're averaging about nine correct results a week. So we're not doing too badly. Uh, remember, if you get if you get 10 results correct, you win. If you get 13 right, you win a huge cash prize. Uh, so do get involved if you want your chance to win that. Uh, one game before we go that wasn't involved in the Fan League preview, though, Dave, is the big game of the weekend. Manchester United against Tottenham at Old Trafford. We did discuss this on Monday, how we thought it might play out tactically. But closer to Saturday now, we're looking at maybe Harry Kane potentially being out. Mauricio Pochettino sort of being a bit coy in his post-match press conference last night after the defeat to West Ham. Uh, Paul Pogba. Back in training, potentially maybe even back for this game. How do you think this one's going to go? What's your score prediction, Dave? Mm, I think it's going to be a real cagey game. I think Mourinho will match Spurs for their, their systems in a way. I think it will be Spurs playing you know, two, two attacking midfielders off Harry Kane, Manchester United playing two strikers with one behind. But then the rest of the team, I think it will be man for man, you know, back three. 
um, and four across the middle. So it's, it's going to be a real interesting game. You find when teams play the same systems that it gets sort of they get taken down to the same level. So that's kind of bad news for Tottenham in a way because they are at the moment, um, you know, one of the best four, you know teams going forward in the Premier League. Manchester is struggling at the moment. In the last four games, United have failed to create over ten chances. So there's a bit of an issue there. Obviously, Hemant Mkhitaryan was rested um, in in midweek, which is a very very good thing because he's pretty much carrying United's creative. Um, force on his own without Paul Pogba so I think it's it's that rotation but on top of that I think there's some real key things if Harry Kane's out and Lorente's in that's a real moment for Manchester United to think you know we could win this game but again I think I'm going to go with a 1-0 win United scrappy as anything uh, Chris have you got a score prediction for us? Uh, it all depends on Kane doesn't it? it does depend on Kane but yeah that Man United as well, which helps them. Uh, my mind says 2-1 Tottenham. I like your style. I like your style. Uh, Nico, what are you saying? I am saying 2-0 Tottenham. Ooh, bloody hell. Uh, Lawrence? I'm going to go uh, a draw, actually. I'm going to go one all between these two sides. I don't think either of them are going to be able to muster too much because... You know, I mean, it's disappointing for you. Dave will be obviously yeah. Uh, aroused. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Um, I think if we've got Kane, if Spurs have got Kane, I think two one to Spurs without him, two one to Manchester United. Could go either way. I think that's uh, that's how important he is. Are we are we seeing are we seeing a bit of mind games here from Pochettino because he does that thing where he lies? I hope so. I do hope so. About Kane. He sort of came out after the game um, against Liverpool on the weekend and said, you know, oh, it's just uh, just a knock. Essentially, it's not a hamstring injury, which is definitely what it looked like when he hobbled off the pitch, sort of holding the back of his leg there. So hopefully it's a bit of a mind game to sort of keep, uh, keep Manchester United and Mourinho on their toes. He seemed delighted with himself after the, the Real Madrid game to have sort of sprung that surprise with the, the formation he, uh, he set his team up with. So we'll see. It could be one of those mind games, as you say. Um, but, guys, do let us know what you think the score is going to be on Twitter at the front three. Until Monday when we'll be back to review it all, as well as all the Premier League action. Chris Hennage, where can the listeners find you? Uh, at the front three. Oh, lovely selfless. Dave? Everywhere. Mm, disturbing. Wow. Lawrence? <laughs> Nowhere. Ooh, Ooh mysterious. Nico? There will be a bonus <laughs> podcast. I am oh, yeah, that's good. Um, so, you know, go ahead and check that out at the front three. That's where I'll be. Yes, there is a uh, bonus podcast coming this Saturday with Nico on Borussia Dortmund. Do you want to give a little tease, Nico? Yeah, we spoke to a writer for ESPN, ESPN insider, Stefan Buschko, who specifically sort of covers Dortmund and, and the Bundesliga. And it was really it was really nice chat with him about Dortmund and, and the Bundesliga in general. So I, mm. I recommend that you all go and check it out. I think your recommended title was uh, Borussia Dortmund with Stefan Buschko. I might make it something a bit more exciting. <laughs> that remains to be seen. But uh, either way, guys, I think it was be... a lot longer than yeah. that. You didn't, you didn't like my title. There, there will be. Nonetheless, a bonus podcast in the feed on Saturday, guys. So do look forward to that in the morning. Uh, until Monday, like I say, when we'll be back with a weekend review, have a bloody great weekend. 
mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Market.